Hi, I'm meteorologist Don Paul. Welcome to my podcast, Don Paul's Bits of Blather on weather, climate, and science. And again, if you are enjoying this podcast, this is episode 25, please share the word by keyboard, by mouth, by phone, by Skywriter. If you've got spare cash laying around, you know, gang, help me out here. Um, we are here in Western New York and in many parts of the Northeast experiencing an exceptionally warm period. Today, for example, in Buffalo will be the third consecutive day with a record high temperature already having been set even at the noon hour, um, the Buffalo airport up to 75. Uh, yesterday on Monday, we hit a record of 76. The average high for this time of the year is 51, and uh, or f actually now down to 50. And today we should make at least, we already are in the mid 70s, some areas um, may actually touch the upper 70s this afternoon with mostly to partly sunny skies and what we call a downslope breeze, a breeze from the south where the air descends from the southern tier hills to a lower elevation on the Lake Erie Plains. And coming down those slopes, uh, the air actually heats up and compresses and dries out so that the warmer temperatures with a downslope flow are at the lower elevations. It's a smaller scale version of the powerful downslope winds which develop off many other mountain ranges, including the east side of the Rockies. Winds reaching Fort Collins and Boulder with strong downslope conditions can accelerate up to a, or even over 100 miles per hour, also producing tremendous warming as well as property damage. Our downslope winds uh, occasionally get pretty strong, uh, but today just enough to boost temperatures a little higher than the models are indicating. The models don't do a good job with downslope winds, and it wouldn't be absolutely impossible for some urban locations uh, to get close to 80 by 3 o'clock this afternoon, but most of western New York north of the hills will be in the mid to upper 70s. And uh, then we have a cold front that is coming, well forecast for days in advance, and the air behind this front initially was arctic in its characteristics over the northern plains in Montana, really wintry conditions a few days ago. As this colder air reaches western New York on Wednesday morning, Veterans Day, and our, our thanks go out to all veterans. I am one myself, although I, despite being an infantry officer, my conditions were uh, a lot safer being stationed at Fort Benning, which is the home of the infantry. Um, but especially to all veterans who served in combat zones. That's the way I feel about it. In fact, my beloved and long gone dad uh, was drafted in 1943 and landed on Omaha Beach with the 29th Infantry Division. Uh, but back to weather. Uh, this cooler air mass will take temperatures on Veterans Day down uh, from the low 60s into the 50s later in the day, not drastic. On Thursday, significantly cooler and much cooler than what we have right now. But for November, you can only call this on Thursday, upper 40s and low 50s, seasonably cool, seasonable temperatures, statistically about where we should be. Friday, maybe the low 50s. Then Saturday, after a second cold front goes by on Friday, probably going by dry, we're back to the mid and upper 40s. Yeah, that's chilly, especially compared to 75, but it's really just a few degrees below average. Sunday southeast winds with some limited moisture 
bring readings back to above average in the upper 50s with a few rounds of showers. And speaking of showers, the rainfall amounts uh, with the cold frontal passage early on Wednesday, very unimpressive. Looks like light amounts on the Niagara frontier, a little more toward the Pennsylvania line. And we do have some fairly widespread moderate drought conditions in parts of western New York and a small pocket of severe drought over southeast Cattaraugus, southern Allegheny, and Pennsylvania counties. If this were still the growing season, this would be a real problem. I haven't had any reports uh, yet from those who rely on well water of any real problems with uh, these drought conditions. But the amounts of rain early tomorrow, Wednesday, and again by and during Sunday, not especially impressive. They'll help a little. However, at this time of the year, when you do get some rain into the soil, it stays longer. The sun is lower in the sky. Temperatures will not be as warm after the front goes by. That slows the evaporative losses compared to what would happen in July behind a cool front. Um, and uh, temperatures early next week behind a third cold front will probably head back into the 40s. If not on Monday, then by Tuesday. Not far off the mark, but cool. And uh, the thing is, despite these little shots of cool weather, there seems to be good agreement in tools we use in extended range guidance that November, when all is said and done, by the 30th, will end up in the east and the Midwest being warmer than a typical November. It's not going to be in the 70s very often, if at all, anymore, but a lot warmer than it could be other years in November. Uh, last year, there were some significant lake effect snows in a few parts of western and upstate New York, um, not, I think, as of a year ago yesterday, not this year. Uh, no snow in the forecast at all right now, but precipitation becomes a really a game without an, an award once you get past seven to 10 days. And here in Western New York, since a lot of what snow we get arrives in narrow bands of lake effect snow, trying to predict timing and placement of any lake effect snow more than a couple of days in advance is really a fruitless exercise. We don't have those skills in the science, despite enormous improvements in the data we have to work with and the tools we have to work with. But we use, and you hear the word all the time, models. However, in the longer range forecast, we rely much more on ensembles of the models. What are those? Well, any model has an initial run period. What are the perceived initial conditions when the model starts its 48 or 72 hour forecast? We can never know with precision. Uh, we approximate based on admittedly vast amounts of data, but the atmosphere is not Lego blocks that snap into place. There's un unequal heating, uh, there are gases and fluids, everything's on the move. So we approximate initial conditions, but ensembles go quite a step better in looking far further out in time. Uh, so the uh, commonly used American GFS model has an ensemble in which 21 different members or model runs are used, each one of the 21 with slightly initial different initial conditions than the other members. And then you can look at all 21 and, and you can even take a mean, an average of the 21, 
the mean is not always the best solution for a forecast, but it's a starting point. And then there's the European model. The European Center for Medium Range Weather Forecasting has slightly different physics in its model and better computer crunch power, although the Weather Prediction Center of the Weather Service uh, on the campus of the University of Maryland has enormous computer power. The European Center has even more. And the European Models Ensemble gets 51, not 21, members. So you have more to choose from and a greater range. And so there is a tendency, sometimes overdone, by folks like me to lean more heavily on the European Ensemble than on the American Ensemble. Best practice really is to look at all available ensembles. The Canadian model has an ensemble, and uh, there are others as well. And there's British ensembles, British models. Um, and there is no real ability, even for these ensembles, to handle precipitation very well when you're talking 10, 15, 20, 25 days in advance. But when there is a well-defined pattern or a well-defined pattern change showing up in these ensembles, that gives us greater confidence to talk about temperature trends far further out in time. And right now, the ensembles seem to show pretty good agreement that a warmer ridge of high pressure in the upper atmosphere will continue to dominate over the east and the northeast, not every single day, but most days, giving most, not all, days a tendency to run milder than you would expect at this time of the year. There can be breakdowns and there can be changes later in the month that really aren't being picked up on by the ensembles. The ensembles uh, actually eliminate a lot of the day-to-day -day noise when you're going uh, further out in time and don't pick up on individual features. In other words, no ensemble that's running on November 10th is going to show a storm system crossing the Great Lakes on November 27th. It doesn't work that way. We get trends, trends, and again, more for temperatures, much more than for precipitation. Uh, we have a strong La Nina in progress. What is that? La Nina is a condition in which cooler tropical waters migrate eastward near the equator and the warmer waters get pushed with easterly winds toward the western tropical Pacific, Indonesia and the like. And that favors an average condition of the polar jet stream bringing cooler and wetter than average conditions, it can be whiter than average, to the Pacific Northwest and the North Central United States. In the east, there can be a tendency for a storm track for low pressure systems to bring up rounds of milder air and make rain more likely than snow on the East Coast in many events. But even if you have, as we do now, a strong La Nina, which is much better defined in what its typical climate effects are, uh, there can be real breakdowns, impossible to foresee well in advance for a couple of weeks at a time. For example, and I've used this example before, Christmas week 2001, Buffalo got 82 inches of snow when the polar jet buckled southward allowing polar air and a lot of moisture to move in and uh, that not only was the snowiest buffalo week in history that made that december the snowiest buffalo month in history that kind of breakdown cannot be seen on november 10th so we may end up and conditions do favor uh, by the time all is said and done late in the cold weather season 
with chances for an, a warmer than average cold weather season in the Great Lakes in the Northeast. But it does not preclude the possibility of a drastic breakdown for a couple of weeks. And uh, the events which lead to these breakdowns, which was which were discussed in a previous episode and would make another whole episode, they can't be predicted more than a couple of weeks literally in advance. Uh, so this buckling southward of the polar jet stream into the Great Lakes by a change in a variable over the North Atlantic, we can't see that really more than two weeks in advance. So again, we're reiterating a tendency toward warmer than average conditions prevailing most, not all of the time, but for those of you who actually dig winter and dig snow, all hope is not lost. It's lost for the foreseeable future in the next couple of weeks. But that doesn't mean things can't be drastically different as we head deeper into the cold weather season, at least for a while. Thanks for listening this far. I really appreciate it. And uh, I'll be getting back to you very, very soon. Chat with you probably tomorrow.